0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. In my devotional life, because I'm, I'm no different than you, I, I need to hear God speaking to me every day in His Word. And so, s- some of that is when I, I read the Bible, which is a good place to go, But sometimes what I do is I go to other devotional books, and I I listen to other pastors, other individuals who have written their thoughts about specific portions of God's word that really helps me in my walk as well. And this week, there was one, a devotion I read, that the devotion I think is probably 70 years old. And you know the devotions are good when they're 70 years old, and they seem like they were written yesterday. So practical. And what it was, the the author, uh, Herman Geckel is his name, uh, who's now at home with Jesus, wrote about having faith the side of a mustard seed. And that Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And what he encouraged to do in the devotion is he, he encouraged the readers to stop, and I'm encouraging you to do this today. And what I'd like you to do is stop. Just stop for a minute. Stop thinking about everything going on in your life. Stop thinking about what's going on today and everything like that. But what I would like you to do is stop and think about the mountains that you have crossed to get to where you are today. And, and one of the things that he, he talked about, for instance, it, let's go way back. I'm going to go back 25 years ago. And, and I, I think about the mountains that my wife and I faced. Is this kid ever going to learn to go to the bathroom on the potty by himself? And it's like, this is never going to happen. And it's like, come on. Will we ever get to a point where we don't have to carry a diaper bag? everywhere we go, that there will no longer be a a car seat in our car. Uh, And those were the days that we looked forward to. And at the time, those were so big. And now, I don't think about them at all until I see you poor people with kids get in your vehicles and I'm like, "Ah, I'm glad I'm not them. (laughs) But then as the kids got older, there were new hills There were new things for them to to climb. And then I had to deal with this reality of girls in grade school who care about what their hair looks like. And that was new for me. And that's a huge mountain. I don't know how to do this. Um, Help. What are we ever going to do? I'm having a bad hair day. I don't want to go to school. Those types of things. And, and so throughout the grade school, um, I, I think about that. A big thing for me was, you know, am I going to learn in time for kindergarten to tie my shoes? Am I going to learn my colors? Am I going to learn my address? Because I can't make it through kindergarten unless I learn it. Mom and dad, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I would freak out. And then as they get older, there's more mountains, right? That, that Oh, my goodness, am I ever going to get my driver's license is, is anyone ever going to go to the prom with me or go out with me, period? All of those different things, all of those problems. And, and so you understand them, I think, what it's like with your, your kids. And so there's kind of this expression that says, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And there's this thought that maybe if I get past this mountain, maybe at the top it'll flatten off. Maybe I'll get to the top and then I'll be, oh, this is nice. This is nice and easy now that I'm up here because it's flat and now I can take it easy. But the problem is, is it seems like once you get to the top of that mountain, it's the start of a whole new mountain range. And this is true in just about every facet of life. There is no, it's going to be getting easier from here. And what I don't want today, just so you know, as I vent here today, I don't want you giving me, well, every one of those mountains you've climbed has uh, gotten you ready to climb the next one. That's a bunch of garbage. I just want it easy. I just want to relax for a little bit and not have to stress out about what the next step in my life is going to be. But that doesn't exist. I think I've lived that in doing the, 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 the preparation of, of this portion of God's word for this week, that, that lie that I believed, that dream that I was chasing is that I would finally get to a certain point, that if I got to a certain position, if I got a certain job, if I got a certain amount of money that I was making, if I had a certain friendship or a certain person in my life, all of a sudden all of this would be easy and, and it wouldn't be as much work. It took me 52 years to figure out, Dan, you are chasing a dream, And it also helped me begin to understand this message, because this message is about being emboldened by, by prayer. And so this is what I've found. I asked you for a moment to stop where you're at and look back at the mountains that you've climbed. I, I like to hike, and I like to climb, and I like to climb South Mountain. And one of the things that I've started doing, because I understand it's my personality, I am the person who puts their head down and does not look anywhere until I get to the top. That's just the way I am. But I've forced myself lately, sometimes even setting a timer on my phone, every 15 minutes, every 30 minutes to stop and turn around and look. Because when you see how far you've come and you see the view from there, it's kind of a nice view and what you realize in the midst of how tired you are and you're feeling like you can't go on, there's something beautiful about looking at how far God has brought you because it encourages you when you turn around and look where you still need to go. I hope you see this truth not only in your life, but in the life of Nehemiah. If you were not here last week, Nehemiah, we we were introduced to him. He lives in the Old Testament, so about uh, 500 years before Jesus. And he lives in captivity, even though he's Jewish, he lives in Babylon. And so what had happened, really, when, when you look at it in Nehemiah's life, before he was born his family was captured in Jerusalem. Then they were taken into Babylon. So, so Nehemiah was an immigrant. Nehemiah was brought from a foreign country, brought into Babylon where he would not have the rights of citizenship that other people had. And so once they moved there, that, that would have been probably 80 years before, so before Nehemiah was born, that his parents at the Lord's direction said, you know what you need to do? You need to settle in Babylon. You need to kind of adopt that a little bit as your own country because you're not leaving uh, because there's going to be a captivity. And it was during that time that Nehemiah, undoubtedly like his parents, started working. And they were living the Babylonian dream. <laughs> and that was that even a Jewish boy in Babylon can work hard and, and by the time that, that he was in probably the middle of his life, he was in one of the top five positions in Babylon, that, that he was the cupbearer to the king. That means that he was working in the White House, that he was one of the advisors. He would have been on the secret service for, for the king. And as he was there, part of his job would have been to drink the wine before the king received it to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. But another part of it would have been someone who would have given advice to the king. And so, you would think that Nehemiah has arrived, That all of the things that if you would have asked any young Jewish boy in Babylon, how high could you go? Nehemiah was it. That was the ceiling. The only thing higher than him is going to be the king of the land and that is never going to happen. So where Nehemiah was at was as far as he could go. He was living the dream. And what we're going to see as we read through the first portion of this word, God's word here in Nehemiah is Nehemiah was still afraid. (laughs) Just like a little child facing the next mountain, that Nehemiah was beginning to see this. Even though he had come so far, there was still a long way to go. And as we look at what Nehemiah feared, then I'm willing to guess it's what you fear as well. What if I lose what I already have? what if going the next step is going to be this next step where God doesn't bless me? What if the next step is where God forgets about me and, and, and as I see it, how, how far I'm coming, I, I don't think he can get me over the next hump. And to the extent that you live your life like that, you will live in fear. Trust me, I know. I'm the same way. And that's why this message to me is one that is is so awesome, is because every one of you has faced a mountain in the past, and every one of you is facing a mountain now. That's just life. And as we do it, one of the things that God wants us to do is while we're facing the mountain this way, to have the same feeling of confidence as when we look down the mountain that way at what has already taken place. And that is what Nehemiah chapter 2 is all about. So let's start. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning with the first and second verse. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, okay, you're on, Nehemiah, wine is being brought, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. The honesty, the honesty of Nehemiah, the, the leader of the Jewish people, the one who is at the highest place, admits as he writes the account of his life in the book of Nehemiah that even he, in the midst of all of these issues, is afraid. And so what was he afraid about? Is he, he, some of the clues are there before where he said he had never been unhappy in the presence of the king before. And that was the way that it was in the court, that you did not come to the king with your problems. The, the, he was not, the king was not going to be the person who, oh, why don't you sit down and, and you can uh, share with me what you're going through. The king doesn't care. What the king wants is you to serve him. That you are there for a purpose, and that purpose is to support him. So the fact that you would come to the king is, is unheard of. And as a matter of fact, in Babylon, and, and in, at this time it would have been Persia, that, that it would have been something that you could be put to death for. If you went before the king without being summoned by the king to make a request, and the king did not call you to him, you would be put to death immediately, and that is why Nehemiah was afraid, is that he realized that, that this moment that he was facing in his life, when he made the decision that he's not going to put on the happy face, that he's going to be real and honest with the king, now it was do or die, literally. And for that reason, he was afraid. In the blank, you can write, standing face to face with the king is scary We become painfully aware of our unworthiness to ask for anything. You know what that's like, don't you? When you the idea of something, you're like, I'm going to do this. And then once it gets closer and closer, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. And so what it might be is... For me, it was always like calling someone on the the telephone. Uh, Like maybe when I was in grade school, I'm I'm going to call a girl from school and I'm going to talk to her. And then it was... Okay, I'm going to try again. And that phone gets so heavy and you just can't do it. Or maybe a situation where I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell the boss what I really think. And then you get in there and, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm just coming in to say hi, have a good day, whatever. But, but you get to that point where when you are faced with something that's really big, maybe it's a confrontation, maybe it's something where you have to have a very difficult, you know what, I'll just wait for a better time. That now is just, that's usually what we say. Maybe the timing's just not right. And Nehemiah knew at this time it was now or never. But what happens in the midst of that is you realize, and, and Nehemiah did, do I even have any right asking for this? And what I want you to see, first of all, is, is that's what brings a lot of fear in our lives. Am I going to get this, or is this going to compromise me as I look at the future? Is, is this something where I'm going to make it up this hill, or am I going to go rolling down in the other direction? But as you do that, as you think about your problem, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment, and that is understanding that when you approach God as your king, even in a state of unworthiness, even deserving nothing but punishment from him, that we're going to see Nehemiah, even in the midst of this, knew that he could go to God in a heartbeat. And that is where he found his boldness, not in approaching his king, not in approaching his problem but in approaching God to help with the issue. The next words, Nehemiah 2, verse 3. But, very important, I was very much afraid, but. And so in your lives, there's going to be times you can be very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? I'm going to mention this verse especially next week, but I'm going to tell you that three times in the first two chapters, this truth is articulated, is spoken by Nehemiah. May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? My ancestors are, the area where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And we're going to see what this all has to do with is this is the city of Jerusalem. This is the city of the promise. This is the city through which the promised Savior would come. And all of this was connected not only to his national pride, but also to his relationship with his God and the promises that God had made. And for this reason, it was so important to him. It was the most important thing at this moment in his life. In the blank, you can write, our boldness does not come from the absence of fear, It is possible to be bold even when you are afraid. But from the importance of the issue we bring, that as you look at whatever it is, whatever issue you are facing that is so important to you, understand that some of that boldness is going to come from that. And the next part. Nehemiah 2, verses 4 and the first part of 5, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. In the blank, you can write in there, we can boldly, we pray boldly to our father because Jesus is our savior. Prayer is our regular pattern of communication. How long do you think this prayer lasted of Nehemiah? What is it you want? Dear Lord, help me. Well, king, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> maybe, maybe two or three seconds. I don't know. Maybe five, maybe 10. I doubt more than a minute where the king's like, hey, Nehemiah, you get, you're on the clock, buddy. But probably that quickly. And that is what, when, when the Bible tells us, when God tells us to pray continually, that means that we're praying as if God is right, be, right next to us. That, that a prayer can be that short and sweet as, Lord, please help me. That, that those little, sometimes they're called breath prayers. That you, that you breathe them, they're that quick as a breath, saying, Lord, help me in whatever I'm going through. But as we do this, one of the, the things that I would like you to think about in this moment of why we are bold is I want you to think about the Lord's Prayer for a moment. Because if we're going to be bold through prayer, that we definitely want to have in our mind at least a little bit the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, which is the Lord's Prayer. And the very first part of the prayer is, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, or or if you want, our Father in heaven. And simply that word, in, in the midst of going through Anxiety or going through fear about the future, being able to say to God, Father. It's that reminder of the relationship that you have with him. And in the midst of that relationship, what happens is is the fear level goes down. Because you remember the God that you are praying to is the king. He definitely is the king. He is the all-powerful. He is the almighty one. That is true. That as I stand before him, I am unworthy that he answer any of the issues that I have. And he's still my father. And so in the midst of this fear, the encouragement is to remember not just the issues you're facing, but even more importantly, the one that you are bringing those issues to, your father. And why is he your father? Through the work of Jesus Christ. He is not only the God who made you, which he did, but he's also the God who has saved you. He is the God that sent his his son to be your savior. And so when we stand before God, we stand before him worthy, not not of ourselves, but worthy, made worthy through the work of Jesus Christ. We pray boldly to our father because Jesus is our savior. The next words. Now, Now is the ask. If it pleases the king... And if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I don't know if he had thought about it or not. Um, King, this is is what I want to do. In the blank, you can write, at some point, we need to answer the all-important question, what do you want? What do you want? And in your prayers and being bold, this is what I am going to recommend that you don't do. Nehemiah came before the king and said, king, I want you to go to Judah and Jerusalem, and I want you to rebuild the wall for me. At which time the king says, no, I'm not doing that. Do you understand the point that when you're looking at this, when you're facing the mountain, he's not saying I don't want to go up the mountain. He's saying the Lord has put this on my heart, and what I'm asking is that I can do this. And that is why as we look at this, this is so important because God has put in things in your life and God has put in things on your heart. And one of the things that always kind of blows me away as a pastor is when people want to come talk to me and tell me what God has put it on their heart that I should do. You know what? God talks to me just as much as he talks to you. Um, I'm telling you, I'm... I'm I've got enough ideas at this point. So maybe as you're, you're at talking with the Lord, quit asking about what he wants me to do. Start asking what he wants you to do. And so as we look at this, and again, I, I don't want to call you out, Shirley, uh, but I already mentioned CASA, but I'm going to, and I didn't warn her either. When, when, as we look at this with these court-appointed special advocates, that, that Shirley has been a teacher. There, maybe some of you have had Shirley as the, yeah, right there. She taught you, right? Loves kids, has taught for a while. And yet at this point that Lord is, you know what? Saying, I, I want to do something with kids and I want to make a difference. She didn't come in my office and say, Pastor Dan, I think you should start a CASA. I think you should be, no. That as you look at what is on your heart, that you're asking, Lord, what is it? That when you are finally asked, what is it you want? Don't give me this, I want the problem taken away. Don't tell me this, I I want someone else to do it. Or even that you want me to do it. Not that I'm not willing. But in the midst of this, Nehemiah knew what he had to do. And with each one of us in this room, what it is that, that we have to do is going to be a little bit different. In Christian Essentials 3, we, we talk about our shape, our spiritual gifts, our hearts, our, our abilities, our personalities, and our experience. That's just one way that God has made you so unique to do a specific job with a specific heart that only you can do. And so in the midst of whatever you're going through right now, if you want to be emboldened, it's to say and ask the prayer, God. What is it that you want me to do here? And that is when we, we constantly pray in the in resilient ministry, and it's, it's one of the most healthy prayers that we pray. God, grant me the serenity, you know, as you, that as we look at our lives, this serenity to know the difference between what you need to do and what I need to do. And, and so it's that prayer, Lord, please help me. Help me to know what only you can do what I need to do. And then live in there, trusting you and doing at the same time. The next words, Nehemiah 2, 7 to 9. This is crazy. Here's what I want. What I want you to do, Artaxerxes, is I want to take off for a couple of years. And I want you to pay me. And as long as you're asking... I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Jerusalem. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was with me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, gave them the king's letters. The king also had sent an army officers and cavalry with me. This is crazy. This is a crazy ask. But as long as you're talking to the king, and if he asks, what is it you want? I'm going to suggest having an answer. And I want you to, to really think about what this, what this type of ask would be like. And I'm trying to to get this because he was the king, so you can say, well, it didn't cost him anything. He's the king. Yeah, whatever. It cost him. It really cost him. And that would be like me maybe saying, you know what? As we look at our our ministry in Mozambique, I I think it needs an infusion to get it going. So, what I'm going to ask you is, I'm going to ask you to send me there for two years, pay my salary. Then send teams of five every two months to support me. And uh, after two years, I'll be back and we'll, we'll see what happens. Be like, hold it. Now I'm going to do, do a little math and, and realize how much this is costing me. And so that is, is a lot of times what we have. It's called the scarcity mentality. We look at what we don't have rather than looking at what we do. And so this encouragement is to say, you know what? If if we are truly believing that God has mountains that he wants us to climb, that we need to get up, at some point, we need to make the ask. In the blank, you can write, being bold means not being bashful. To make the big ask before God or the king. And God's answer will be yes, no, or not yet. In the, in the questions for the impact groups, the question there's a question in there about the big ask. And I know that as I'm doing this today and as I'm talking to you, I know that, that, that people's biggest issue with churches, as a rule, is that they ask for money. So, so when we do this immediately, it, we have this kind of, it falls over the church where, oh my, here it comes. Here's the ask. Here's the asking for my money again. And at some point, I, I think where we need to go is from the ask to the issue. And, and, and that is the part where we go back and, and we look at this specifically with Nehemiah. This was so intimately connected to the promise of the Savior That this is what life is all about. This is not just about this life, but this is about eternal life. And do you understand your unique role in being part of this? And that's a word sometimes we use, we call it vision. That I need you to see the future. I need you to imagine all of us standing up there on the other side of this mountain. And to understand we are not going to get there unless all of us work together to get there. I don't want to get you too excited today, but I'm going to tell you that this is where we are getting as a leadership with, with the building at 59th Avenue. It is getting to the point where I'm, I'm just gonna just be completely honest with you, I do not need to be a pastor of a church that has a building. (laughs) Most, I haven't done the math of how many years, because I've been in both. In my previous church, we had seven years before we had a building, and then we built one seven years in. Now I've been here seven years, and, and we're talking about it again, but I'm telling you, if we have to worship, have to get to. This is a beautiful place. In Chavez, for the rest of my life, I will die happy. If I'm able to reach out to people in Levine. That's just honest. I, I really And at the same time that as a pastor, I realize that we have a very unique opportunity to reach people in Levine in a way that we are not doing right now. That we have an opportunity to to more than just have a presence one day a week, to have this seven days a week. And by doing this, I believe that the number of people that we can reach with the gospel for Jesus Christ, I would tell you double, but that would be a lie. I think it's gonna be more than that. I truly believe that with all my heart, that it is a tool that we could use. And so I can tell you, we're gonna need at least $5 million to do it. It's just reality. I'm not saying that you have it. I'm not saying that I do either. But I'm saying that the God we serve does. And the, and the people that he blesses does. And for that reason, as we talk about it, I'm not going to be apologetic and I'm not going to be afraid. I have been, because I'm like, how are we going to raise this now? We don't have it. And so instead, as we move forward, I want to continue talking to you about a vision for this place in our future that might be a yes that might be a no that might be a not yet but one thing i do know with all my heart and, and god tells us it's not just in my heart it's this reality that, that god wants us to reach out with the good news of jesus and reach as many people as we can and i trust him to guide us in the way that will help us do that best that's what the big ask is like so that's the big that's the church's mountain i know you have yours too and so, as we do this, that's the beauty of this great God we have who does it all. Not being bashful, going to Him in prayer. And then the final words, otherwise known as the wah wah part of the text. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. They are not happy. And you can put in the blank right away, you haven't experienced leadership until you experience criticism. I, I, I don't know. Maybe by the time someone leaves here today, someone's going to be unhappy, either that I talked about Mozambique, or I talked about the building program, or I talked about both of them in the same sermon. I don't know. Uh, but, but there's always the criticism. Criticism. There's always this, this idea of, you know, this vision you have for the future sucks. It's horrible. I don't like it. We should go a different direction. And as you do that, it's important that you understand that right out of the gate. Jesus had critics. But Jesus also had a vision. And Jesus also had a Lord that he went to in prayer Every single day. And so do you. And so as we we leave here today, the the takeaway from this message is not we need to build a building. It's not. The, The takeaway from this message is not that we need to go to Mozambique. The takeaway from this message is this. You will continue to face mountains in your life. As long as you are here, you are not going to get to some magical plateau that is the top. So as you do that, the encouragement is take time to stop and look back and celebrate. Celebrate what a great God we have who has brought us to this point today and then have resolve and boldness. No matter what issue you are facing, no matter how close it is to your heart, to know that you can go to the lord in prayer and make some pretty big asks this is this is the one who gave his son for you is saying you know what i'm still here i am your father and i will answer you and know that he will take care of you and then you can be a leader with boldness let's pray Dear Lord God, we thank you that you allow us to be bold in our lives. And there are all times when we don't know what the future holds, that that we are, we get tired, we get worn out, we get beaten down. That, that is part of life. And, and it's also a reality, Lord, that you have put things on our heart that are really heavy and they are very big issues. And so, Lord, we come to you. Help us to get this pattern of communication with you where we come to you, all of the time throughout our day. Whenever we are facing these issues that are too big for us, and they are many, Lord, help us to have these little breath prayers. Help us to take time, set aside time to pray and to praise you for for everything you do in our lives. But finally, Lord, be with us. And when you are, we know that we are safe and you will continue to care for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. I'm ready to go now. Uh, As we go from here be comforted, be bold, because God goes with you wherever you go. Uh, he, he is the God. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. He has everything you need to climb the next mountain he has in mind for you to climb. So as you go, go with that peace. Go also with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you in favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.